Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you'll go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. There is a need for endurance in the body of Christ. You know, just the fact that we are encouraged or encouraged or told, commanded to endure something uh, is evidence that something's trying to stop you. You know, we've got to be careful with our perceptions or uh, the, the ideas that we buy into. There is nothing in the word of God that promises you an easy life. Nothing in the word of God that promises you a problem-free life. Nothing in the word of God that promises you uh, a bed of roses and an easy path to take, but yet we still have this instruction to endure. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, you therefore must endure, everyone say must endure, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You therefore must endure. That's your encouraging verse of the day. This is not one you put on refrigerators. It doesn't make a great bumper sticker. Not a lot of t-shirts made. You must endure hardship, right? We, we like the, the joyful ones and the excited ones and the passionate ones and the you know, all the blessing. And, but this is a verse in the Bible written from Paul to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy. So this, this is on his second letter and his last letter to Timothy. And he's encouraging him. It might not sound like encouragement, but we want to break this down today and see what all Paul is encouraging Timothy with. He says, you therefore must endure hardship, meaning there's no way to avoid it. The only way to avoid hardship is to avoid the will of God. The only way to get around uh, trials or challenges in life, hardship in life, is to get yourself plumb out of the will of God. And people that are looking for the road of comfort and the road of convenience rarely find themselves on the road to their purpose and their destiny. Your purpose and your destiny is laden with all kinds of attempts to stop you, thwart the plan of God on your life. Come on, your marriage uh, has all kinds of challenges. Parenting has all kinds of challenges. Uh, starting up that business that the Lord called you to is is got its challenges. Stepping into the seats and the places and the spheres of influence that God is placing you. How many of you have come to find out that stuff doesn't want you there? Huh? God calls you typically to something that isn't welcoming you. Remember when the Israelites got to the border of the promise, the edge of the promise, and they found out that what was in the land? Giants, fortified cities, walled up cities, a vast territory that was really in the natural too big for them to uh, you know, take on and accomplish. And typically God's will and God's plan for your life is packaged in the difficult difficult, the, the uh, uncomfortable, the inconvenient, the, uh, you know, unreasonable. And everybody today, you know, we, we 
overvalue comfort, overvalue this idea of I got to make it as simple as possible, as easy as possible. What is that path of least resistance? What is the quickest, easiest way? And so we, we invest a lot. Comfort is a multi-billion dollar business today. Huh? Now, remember that, that God is not against comfort. He actually gave us a comforter. <laughs> but there's a difference between being comforted and comfortable. There's a difference. Difference between understanding that in the press, in the challenge, I feel the presence of God and I feel his comfort. I feel his, it's all going berserk around me, but I'm stayed at peace in my spirit and in my mind. But the comfortable will compromise purpose and compromise the plan of God and look for that, that easy road. No, he's letting him know, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier, he says. Of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I love this verse. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Number one, I like this verse because I'm a type A kind of guy. And now we've got four verses in the matter of, four words in the matter of two verses that all start with E-N. I like that kind of stuff. It helps make it memorable. It helps connect some things. So we've got endure, engage, entangle, and enlist. Endure, engage, entangle, and enlist. You work it backwards. Number one, you've been enlisted. So you got to recognize this. When you came into the kingdom of God, you did not come on a, this is not a, uh, a joy ride. <laughs> this is, I mean, you know, I, I, I apologize if you were oversold, huh, on coming into the kingdom and, go, you know, dying and going to heaven and, and all the good stuff that comes with it. There's a lot of great things that come with it. But guys, I want you to know today, you enlisted in something. You just joined an army. And joining an army implies there's a fight. There's something to protect and there's something to gain. There's something to advance upon. There's something to take. We're taking territory and we are protecting the truth of the word of God. Amen. And so we are uh, defensively and offensively in the kingdom of God. There's a work to do. There's an assignment to do. There's a battle to fight. We've been enlisted. And when you've been enlisted, you guard what you entangle yourself with. Those are the things that you keep in front of you. Those are the things that you entertain. There's another E-N word, entertain in your life. From there, he says, this determines what you engage. How can you be engaged in warfare and distracted by the enemy, distracted by the cares of life, distracted. You know, I, I ministered this past week at Kingdom Rise on the mystery of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus calls the kingdom, it's a mystery, meaning that it, it must be revealed to you. 
And in Matthew 13, we have the parable of the sower. We have the seed sown on four different kinds of ground. We have the seed by the wayside, proves unfruitful. The seed that's choked out, proves unfruitful. And the the seed that doesn't take a deep root, proves unfruitful. And in all three of those instances, it's at the end of the day, you could just boil it down to distractions. The first one was distracted so much so that they didn't even receive it. They were disconnected and disengaged when the word was being sown, when the word was being ministered. They're, you know, got their eyes somewhere else, their minds somewhere else, whatever. You got the other two that says that they received it with joy, but the cares of the world choked it out or it didn't take deep roots. So when the trials came because of the word, the tribulations came because of the word, there was no deep root within them and they easily abandoned, they easily neglected. All three of those fall into one category, distractions. And so Paul's saying, look, when you've been enlisted with an assignment, especially for battle, for warfare, for a fight, there's a fight on our hands. We forfeit the right to just be distracted by anything and everything that comes to us in life. This is what I've learned about the enemy is if he can't distract you with trials, then he'll distract you with the cares of the world, the busyness of life. One translation reads the deceitfulness of riches, that if he can't get you with the burden, he'll get you confused with the blessing. If he can't distract you with the trials and challenges of life, then he'll distract you with the blessing of life. I've watched people get so blessed that they don't even give God credit anymore. They don't give God attention anymore. The cares of life, the busyness of life. What do we call it around here? Busyness is just simply artificial significance. You're busy, but you're making no difference. The schedule's locked up. You're bouncing from one thing to the next. You're running yourself ragged and you're not accomplishing anything that God called you to do. The enemy is looking to, if he can't destroy you, he will distract you. He'll distract you. Because a distracted Christian is no threat to the kingdom of God. A distract, or to the kingdom of the enemy. A distracted believer is no threat to the kingdom and is no assistance to the kingdom of God. No, it, it, it demands our focus. It demands our attention. It, it, in, in moments of, of high challenge, of high struggle, we should be intensely focused, intentionally directed with a, a laser beam focus, if you will. Blinders gotta go up. This is when you start eliminating voices. This is when you start, uh, you know, time that you would have spent thumbing through Instagram. You're now in the word of God, right? This is time where you're feeding your spirit and you are highly intensely focused on the matter at hand. Can't be distracted. He says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself. I wonder if the things that we're entangling with, entangled with in our lives, are they empowering us? Are they helping us in the fight for the kingdom of God? Or are they distracting us? Verse five says, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be 
first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say. May the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. He says, I'm suffering because I'm doing the right thing. So we have this idea, you know, especially in the circles that, that I've come up with, that if you are experiencing trials or struggles in your life, it's an automatic uh, indicator that you messed up somewhere, that you did something wrong. No, you will find yourself right in the middle of the will of God and right in the middle of trial and struggle and tribulation Come on, the the disciples were met with a storm that was uh, uh, about to take their lives because they obeyed Jesus when he said, let's go to the other side, right? Paul is facing this turmoil and, and facing this opposition in his life because he's doing the right thing. He's doing exactly what God called him to do. And we have to be able to discern the difference. We have to be able to discern the difference and say, you know what? This is coming upon me because I answered the call. This is happening because I responded in obedience to the voice of the Lord. This has shown up in my life because I am right in the middle of the will of God and I'm not letting the enemy confuse that to get me out of God's plan. He says, I suffer trouble as an evildoer even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. He says this though, if we deny him, he also will deny us. The word endure means this. Uh, means this. It means to stay under and bear up. It means to stay under and bear up. It means to remain and abide. Remember the abide in me and I in you? It means to remain and abide. It also means this, to suffer patiently. Mm. Did you remember that long suffering is a fruit of the Spirit? Long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit, meaning that it should be displayed and it can be displayed in the life of a Spirit-led believer. Long-suffering, suffer patiently. That's what long-suffering means. Long-suffering, to suffer patiently. That means you suffer quietly. That means you suffer without speaking more negative than positive. You you suffer and you endure and you persevere, not with a complaining attitude or I can't wait this is can't wait till this is over attitude or I can't believe I'm going through this or where where are you God or why would you do this? Though that's not suffering patiently. No. It means to suffer with the right attitude, to preserve under misfortunes is another definition, to preserve under misfortunes, to preserve under misfortunes. I want to read this to you in the New Living, the New Living, verse 3, 
Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse four reads, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. It's amazing that, you know, he's talking about enduring, suffering, enduring challenges, enduring. And again, he's talking to Timothy. Paul's on his way out of ministry. Timothy's on his way into ministry. And he's letting him know, look, it's not gonna be all, you know, bed of roses and just an easy path to walk. You're gonna have to endure some challenges. You're gonna face some opposition. Whether it be just the fact that we live in a fallen world and broken things happen, or that you are uh, that it's you're literally being met with resistance because of the assignment of God on your life. But he goes right to his lifestyle, and he says, "What you engage, what you entertain." what you dwell on, what you look at, what you allow, what you tolerate will greatly affect whether you endure or you quit. Whether you persevere or you you fail to even make it to the end of the promise. I don't know about you. I wanna make it to the end of the promise. I wanna see the end. I wanna make it to where God is leading us. So he says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. There should be something different about what we entertain when you recognize I'm in a fight. There should be something different about what I'm engaging, what I tolerate and what I don't tolerate, what I allow and what I don't allow. Should look different from those that don't have the same assignment or the same uh, the, the need to endure. Verse five, athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been changed like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be changed. What Paul did right there is a lesson you and I need to learn. It's the lesson of perspective. It's the lesson of perspective. He said, I might be changed, but the word cannot be changed. Meaning, I might be in this this situation, I might be facing this turmoil, I might be uh, meeting resistance and opposition, but the message is still going forth. The purpose is still being proclaimed. We are still accomplishing something great. He's stepping outside of just his personal condition, being chained up, being in in a dungeon, being treated the way he's being treated for obeying the word of God. He's not sitting down there complaining. He's not sitting down there crying. He's not sitting down there saying, why did I ever answer the call? Is this what I get? This is what you're gonna do to me? No, he's saying, I gotta look at this big picture. The word is still going forth. The gospel is being proclaimed and it's bigger than this. The word of God is bigger than my current situation. Perspective. We've got to learn this thing about perspective because in in anything that happens to you, the one thing no one in this world has control of, even God himself in your life is your perspective. 
Nobody can take away your ability to see something differently than the way it is. No one can take away. What, what, what's that saying? Uh, I, can't, uh, I, I can't control what others do, but I can always control my response. I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond to what happens to me. Come on. Perspective. The ability to see a bigger picture. I want to read, I want to show you um, verse, just start with verse two in the Passion Translation. Verse two, and all that you've learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, deposit into faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Now look at verse three. Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. That's the same words Overcome every form of evil is the same words that we found in the New King James, endure hardship. The New Living read, endure suffering. But the same writing was also translated, overcome every form of evil. What's the point? It's up to you whether you see I'm just enduring or I'm overcoming. It's the same thing. It's up to you. What do you see? Do you see opposition as an opportunity? Do you see challenges as an opportunity to put God's glory on display? Do you see resistance as an opportunity to show God's faithfulness, to show how God is gonna work through this situation? Or do you just see conflict? Do you just see opposition? Do you just see resistance? Because if you only see that, then you are gonna be very uh, weak in your response to it. No, the same endure suffering, endure hardship, you must endure hardship, is also the same thing as I'm overcoming evil. I'm overcoming every form. This is just an, it, it, when, 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 man, I, look, I know when you're going through real trials, real issues, some people in this room, you face life and death situations. I get it. It's easy to just see the challenge for what it is, the, the struggle for what it is, for what's right in front of you. But God is saying, step back a little bit, zoom out a little bit, get my perspective. Don't just see it from the world's view. See it from my heavenly view. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth below. I'm doing something bigger. I'm doing something greater. I know it feels like in the moment it's destroying you, but I'm at work. What's the song that we sing? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when everything's falling apart, you are working. I know right now in the moment, it feels like all hell's breaking loose but he's working. The darkest three days this world has ever seen between Jesus' death on the cross and his burial three days later, Jesus is down there working. 
He's down there whipping and stripping the enemy. He's taking keys back to death, hell, and the grave. He's taking authority back. He says, I'm working something. It's underneath. It's down in the burrows. It's out of sight, out of mind. You can't see what I'm doing. You're all closed in in your your little house, fearful, because they're going to come get you next. But I'm telling you right now, I'm coming back victorious. I'm coming back reigning, and I'm working on your behalf. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't forgotten about you. He's moving. And Paul from a dungeon is writing this. This is this ain't no American prison cell. This is a dungeon. You've heard the descriptions, where he's at, what's going on down there, how they're treated. And not only that, not only the natural issue, the mental issue is tomorrow my last day. Is tomorrow my last day. Is tomorrow my last day. He's not awaiting trial. He's awaiting death. On top of that, he goes even deeper in the book of Acts and he says, my daily care for the churches. Even in the midst of all that, he's still concerned about, how, how's, how's brother Peter doing? How, I, wonder, I wonder how brother, send, send to Epaphras. I, I wanna know how they're doing. I wanna hear how the church of Colossae is doing. I wanna hear how the church of Philippi is doing. He, he's, he's got the care and the burden of the churches on top of that and he's hearing some pretty dark things. <laughs> He's writing a lot of his letters to encourage the churches to endure, to finish strong, finish the fight. And I'm sure sometimes he's sitting down in that dungeon. There's no texting. There's no getting online. There's no Facebook update statuses. There's no Instagram posts of what the church at Corinth is doing and how great their services are. He's got none of that. He's wondering, did they even get it? And in the midst of all that, he says, because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and I might be chained, but the word of God is not. God is still working. God is still moving. But what is the perspective that we're gonna choose in the middle of it? What, how are we gonna choose to see this? How are we gonna choose to walk through this? Not walk away, walk through, not get out, get through no matter what the challenge is we still have the right the responsibility if you will to see it from heaven's perspective in verse 10 the new living reads in verse 10 he says so i am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in christ jesus to those god has chosen This is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny him, that he will deny us. This is what he's saying. You will pay a price to follow him, but you will pay a greater price not to. You'll pay a price to endure, but you'll pay a far greater price to choose ease and comfort over the challenges and the oppositions of life. We have a need for endurance in these last days, don't we? We have a need for endurance. I just wanna read this out of the the passion and then we'll move on. Starting with verse three again, overcome every form of evil. I hope you understand that you are fighting to win. 
You're not fighting to lose. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're, no, you are called to come out victorious. You are called to come out a winner. You are not called to come out a loser. You are not called to come out underneath, but on top. The head and not the tail. Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty, here it is, must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy. Remain faithful to God. The farmer who labors to produce a crop should be the first one to be fed from its harvest. It takes work, is what he's saying. It takes work, but you will reap. In due season, you will reap. Look at verse seven. Carefully consider all that I've taught you. Carefully, what's he trying to do? He's trying to turn his focus. Stop looking at the opposition. Stop listening to the naysayers. Stop giving ear to the doubters. Stop giving them voice in your life. Stop giving them place in your life. Stop looking at everything that's falling apart. Remember what I've taught you. Look at what God is doing. Look at how God has demonstrated time and time again. If he did it before, he'll do it again. If he brought you through before, he'll bring you through the next challenge. He'll bring you through the next season. But you're going to have to put your focus on something different. You know, it, it's, it's almost like a drug to some people to focus on the negative. The way it feeds them, the way it makes them feel, the way it makes them just, you know, it, it, there's just something in our culture today that we, I mean, look at the headlines. Just look at a news headline. We, we are attracted to the negative way quicker than we're attracted to the positive in our culture and society today. Isn't this true? We, we, we cut down and we, 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 we destroy and we you know, focus on the negative rather than, because the positive demands response. The positive demands that we find solutions. The positive, you don't need to do anything to focus on the negative. It demands, it, it, it just lets you lay there. Just, I, there's nothing I could do about it. It, it. The whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's all just falling apart. Everybody's questioning and challenging. It's easy to do those things. But when you wake up and you say, no, we're gonna do something about this. We're not gonna let this go on. We're not gonna let this take place. Now it requires a response to get up and do something with it. But this is what our culture has taught us. It's easier to talk about something negative than it is to find a solution with something positive. Carefully consider all that I've taught you and may our Lord inspire you with wisdom and revelation in everything you say and do. But make Jesus the anointed one. Here it is, your focus in life and ministry. Remember what Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says, looking unto Jesus, the what? Author and finisher of our faith. And then it says this, who for the joy set before him. This is Hebrews 12, two. Who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross. Looking unto, meaning I've got to get my focus somewhere else. What I look at determines where I go. You ever notice that? If you're looking at something, even if you're intending to go there, if you have your eyes fixed on something, you will naturally drift there. Someone had taught me this years ago and I've used it, it's worked for me. You know, when you're driving down those, those single lane, like the single lane back roads, and you're concerned that the car on the other lane is getting a little close or may come along, you know, come alongside and hit you. They taught me, don't look at the line hoping that you stay on this side of it because your car will naturally drift in the direction you're looking at. Avert your eyes. It's scary because now your eyes are off of the car coming at you because you're hoping they're using the same intentionality that you're using. They're awake as much as you're awake, right? But if you'll look at the other side, your car will go in that direction. It works for me. I don't know if it's a real thing or if they sold me a bill of goods. I don't know, but it works for me. I'm looking at the other line. I'm looking over here. Okay, I'm gonna do my part to stay in this lane. I can't control what they're doing. But if I'm focused on what they're doing, trying not to get hit, I may end up drifting closer to them and end up getting hit anyways. Where you set your focus determines where you go, determines the direction of your life. He says, focus your life and your ministry on Jesus, the anointed one. Even Jesus put this into practice. He endured the cross because he looked at the joy ahead. He looked at the result ahead. And that's what we've got to do. In the moment, we've got to get outside of the moment and say, I'm going to look at the result. I'm going to look, I choose to look at what God is going to do through this. I may not know what God is going to do. I may not know how he's going to work this out. I may not know how he's going to put this all together. But I choose to believe that there's something greater on the other side. And I'm going to walk this out with him. I'm going to endure but I've got to have a sense of focus because he came to the earth as a descendant of David rose from the dead according to the revelation of the gospel that God has given me. This is the reason I'm persecuted and imprisoned by evildoers, enduring the suffering of these chains, but the word of God can never be changed. Verse 10 says, I endure all these hardships for the benefit of the chosen ones in Christ, so that they may also discover the overcoming life that is in Jesus Christ and experience a glory that lasts forever. You can trust these words. If we were joined in him, with him in his death, then we are joined with him in his life. That means if I'm enduring the, the suffering that he endured, which remember what Jesus said, they will persecute you. They will oppose you. They will call you out in front of everybody. He let them know ahead of time. He told his disciples, you will endure what I've endured, but in the end, you will have gained a kingdom. In the end, you will have gained the prize. In the end, you will have endured the affliction, resulting in the salvation of many, the deliverance of many, the hope for many. If we're joined with him in his sufferings, we will reign together with him in his triumph. If we, dis if we disregard him, and he will also disregard us. Look at Galatians chapter six. What are we entertaining? What are we entertaining? We're choosing 
to refuse to get ourselves entangled with the cares of this life, the struggles of this life, the challenge. I know it, it, it almost sounds counterproductive. The way that you get out of the struggle is by taking your focus off of it. The way that you get through a struggle is by choosing to focus somewhere else other than the struggle. Guys, if it was good enough for Paul in a dungeon, it's got to be good enough for us. The struggles we face in this life, however great they might be, still pale in comparison to what this man did and endured and went through. Go read his resume in 2 Corinthians. It's pretty full. Shipwrecked, beaten, persecuted, left for dead, abandoned, neglected, turned on even by the ones he thought were on his side or that he loved the most. That might be the most painful of them all. It's one thing when your enemies turn on you. It's another when the people who you thought were your friends turned on you. He wrote in Philippians chapter two, I got no one except Timothy that's like-minded. Everybody else has gone after their own selfish ambitions. That's rough. That'll make you feel defeated real quick. What good is my leadership? What good is my calling? What good is my assignment? But yet still, you know, Philippians is like, is, is termed the most joyful book in the Bible. You know where that was written from, right? That wasn't written from a penthouse. It was written from a prison cell. He wasn't living life and saying, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Do not worry. But with everything, through prayer and supplication, give thanks. He wasn't writing that, just living it up, having servants bring him stuff, having people in ministry carrying his Bible with them, with uh, carrying his Bible uh, for him everywhere they went and just you know seeing the hundreds saved and, and coming into the kingdom and just a flourishing ministry like we have in this country today. No, he's writing that from a prison cell awaiting death, saying, be anxious for nothing. Whatever's noble, whatever's good, whatever's true, think on these things. What's he saying? You always have control over your focus. You always determine your perspective. Nobody can take, I can be in the bottom of a prison cell and still live victorious. I can be at the top of the penthouse and still live defeated. Apparently it's not my external condition that determines the value and the worth that I believe I have. No, I've got to be focused. Got to be focused. Galatians chapter six says, do not be deceived. Verse seven, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Where are you sowing? Where are you sowing? This is important because verse nine says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Did you know you can get tired doing good? Growing weary or growing tired does not just come to people that are doing the wrong thing. He says you can get weary doing the right thing. 
You can get weary loving your spouse even though it's not met with the same response. You can get weary believing the best in people even when they show you the worst. You can get weary carrying out the mission of God even when it seems like we're taking five steps back and one step forward. You can get weary. These things can wear you down. And the result that you bring or how you respond to that, he says, is determined by what you're putting in, what you're sowing. If you sow into the flesh, then you'll reap of the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap of the spirit. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, he says, we shall reap, but it's conditional. If is a conditional word. If we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Heart. The King James actually reads, uh, instead of let us not grow weary, it actually says don't lose heart. The enemy always gets your heart before he gets your life. When you start recognizing where he attacks, you can better defend yourself from his attacks. But if you leave the heart susceptible and vulnerable to the attacks of the, you know, some people, they can endure any kind of physical challenge. Man, I'll make it through. But, what, but if the enemy can't get you physical, he will start getting at your heart. He'll start getting inside. Some people have walled up, man, you can leave me, you can cuss me out, you can punch me in the face, you can, you can do this, you can attack my reputation, my character, whatever, but they have not guarded their heart well. Guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And the reason why a lot of people don't endure is because their heart gets attacked, their heart's left vulnerable, their heart is left open to attack, and they don't recover. No, he says, you're gonna have to protect the heart. Do not lose heart. Don't, go, don't get tired. So what is the heart posture when we're going through attack? Because the enemy can't stop me with external challenges. Guys, I want us to know, become fully aware that in these last days, God is not losing. Let's just come to the conclusion. I don't need to hear the statistics of how many people are leaving church today. That's stupidity. As if that is the gauge or the indicator of if God is winning or losing the battle in the last days. He's very clear, many will fall away. Seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, they'll fall away to their own, heaping up teachers that, 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 that tell them what they want to hear. Guys, in, in our country, I understand what looks, what it looks like. I understand. And Craig just sent me a, a thing just yesterday. God's church is not having a problem today. Man's church is having a problem today. God's church is never losing. God's losing ground. We're seeing people fall away from the faith. They're not accepting Jesus like they used to. People are going about their selfish ambition. None of that moves God. None of that moves his mission, his purpose. Guys, they were killing them left and right in this book right here that we read. 
Paul's writing letters from a dungeon and doing a better job than a lot of these celebrity pastors are doing with all their podcasts and their YouTube channels. God is never behind. God is never trying to catch up. God is never trying to, let me try to get one. Let me just go even a step further. The enemy's not even closely nipping at the heels of God. It's not even a fair fight, guys. It was over before it started. This thing has already been concluded. Why am I saying that? Because your perspective will change your endurance. What you look at, if you just look at the statistics and you just look at everybody's leaving the church and nobody wants to go and nobody cares and and the missions has gone down and, and we're not sending out as many, guys, what are you using as your comparison model? God found a way for the greatest advancement of the church in the book of Acts when the church was receiving the greatest attack the church has ever seen. And I just help your American mentality today. You need to get out of this country and go to another country. And you'll see the advancement of the gospel. You'll see hunger like you haven't seen it maybe in your entire lifetime. Go to a third world country. Go to a place where Bibles are not allowed. I'm just helping our perspective today, guys. Because you'll feel like a loser and you'll feel defeated and you'll live defeated and you'll act defeated and you'll be defeated in your mind and defeated in your heart and defeated in your life while the kingdom is advancing, the kingdom is forcefully taking territory, the kingdom is propelling the, the, the mission and the urgency of the heart of the Father. Jesus is being demonstrated in the earth. Signs, wonders, and miracles are taking place. The dead are being raised. Demons are being cast out. But we're walking in our American bubble thinking God's losing. Give me a break. You have to shape your perspective, shift your perspective to heavenly thinking. It's so much bigger than what we live in. Whether your struggle this week was a massive challenge that you're being faced with that you don't know how you're going to overcome, or where, where, maybe it's something that we've exalted to be great that isn't even great at all. Whatever it is, our perspective will determine our endurance. It says, let us not grow weary while doing good. The New Living reads in verse nine, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. I see a lot of tired Christians today. And I get it, it wears you out. It's exhausting. (laughs) Anybody concur with me? It's exhausting. But there's a way to stay fired up. There's a way to stay passionate. There's a way to, to stay with the right heart. And if I can keep the right heart, I'll live the right life. I'll endure and I'll persevere and I'll overcome. He says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we what? Don't give up. That's enduring. Just don't give up. You may fail, just don't quit. You're not deemed a failure because you fail. You are deemed a failure because you quit. James chapter one. 
See if we can rein this in. Is this helping anybody today? It's just good every now and then to hear these words that remind us of our mission, keep us centered on what this is really all about and encourage us to move forward. James chapter one, verse two, my brethren, so who's he talking to? Believers, the church. He's not talking to the world. My brethren, what's he say? Count it, what? All joy, all of it. The word count means consider, right? So consider is not conditional. Consider is not, well, if it's joyful or not. Consider is it may be the hardest thing, grossest thing, most exhausting thing I've ever faced in my life, but I deem it as joyful. I put joy on. I choose joy. I choose joy. Joy is not an emotional state. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a position. Joy is not a response to something good happening. Joy causes good things to happen. Can I get an amen? Joy is not something that I put on and say, well, it's a joyful situation or they responded well or I'm seeing this that I've prayed for all my life take place. No, I am joyful even when it's not a joyful situation. I think it's Mark Hankins that that says, joy is the serious business of heaven. It's how he gets stuff done. Joy is how he gets stuff done. Y'all looking at me with those angry faces. I'm just making you angrier and angrier, but I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. I like what Pastor Pastor Roddy said. I wish I could look at you the way you look at me. My brethren, count it all joy when you what? Fall into. I love pointing this out because it doesn't say uh, count it all joy when you get out of various trials. He's asking us to put on joy at the most difficult time to put it on. When it is the least desirable, the least capable, that's when we ought to be putting on joy. That's when we ought to be thinking thoughts of shifting our perspective. How is God working in this? How is God moving in this? This is not a joyful scenario. This is not a joyful situation, but I choose joy in the middle of it. This is the darkest thing I've ever been through. This is the worst thing I've ever been through. This is the hardest day of my life. This is the hardest challenge I've ever faced, but I choose to be joyful because I zoom out. I shift my perspective to heaven, not the earth. He's working and he's doing something. Knowing that, verse three, the testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, I watch Christians all the time. Resist the test. Resist the test. They'll do anything not to be tested. And if there is a test, they automatically blame it on the devil. No? Last time I checked, tests help you advance from one to the next. Some of the greatest people in your life, whether in your education, whether in your home, whether it be a coach, whether it be in your job or your occupation, you were tested 
somewhere along the line for what? To prove that I gained in this season what I needed for the next season. In due season. So why do we resist the test so much? Why do we end up in these testing situations and we're, oh, we start, man, we, people that didn't even speak in tongues start speaking in tongues. Man, they do anything to rebuke a test. They'll, rebu- they'll, they'll do anything to get out of a test. And God's saying, I'm trying to, trying to prove something here. I'm trying to show you your worth. I'm trying to show you your value. I'm trying to show you, you got it in you. A faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, produces what? (laughs) You didn't want that word to be there. You you wanted anything else other than patience. The testing of your faith produces blessing. The testing of your faith produces harvest. Come on, all of our all of our word of faith words right here. The testing of your faith produces miracles. The testing of your faith produces signs and wonders. The testing of your faith produces maturity. No, it says the testing of your faith proves what? It produces what? Patience, which is what? The ability to endure with the right heart and attitude. <laughs> it produces more getting through something. We were taught the testing of our faith moves mountains and the testing of our faith uh, opens doors and the testing of our faith closes doors and the testing of our faith launches us into ministry and the testing of our faith heals our body. No, the testing of your faith produces patience to adequately and appropriately endure through a trial so that you've learned and gained all that is necessary to see the hand of God move on your behalf. Patience, which, by the way, is the fruit of the Spirit. Y'all aren't liking this message. That's okay. I'll I'll get back to the hype-up stuff next week. If any of you, uh, verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work. What's that mean? I can get patience and still not let it work in my life. I can gain patience and then not use it appropriately. So once I've, once the testing of my faith has produced patience, now I need to let patience work. You have patience, let it work. Let it work. Look at your neighbor and say, let it work. Look at your other neighbor and say, let it work. Let it work. Let patience work. It's perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The Passion Translation, the Passion Translation, verse two, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it, here it is, as an invaluable opportunity. What's see it? Changing our perspective. Not just desiring to see something different, but seeing something differently. Same situation, same condition. But guys, give me the same situation, two believers, one that lets patience have its perfect work and one that complains and has a grumbling attitude and begins to doubt God and the nature and character of God and watch them both come to different conclusions with the same situation. 
Stop believing that it's your condition and your situation that is producing what, is, what you're seeing in your life. No, it's your response to it that's producing it. It's how you face it. It's how you endure it. It's how you grind through it. It's how you work in the midst of it. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, here it is, it stirs up in you the power of, what are we talking about? Endurance. The power of endurance. The testing of your faith is actually building your endurance so you won't quit. You think it's hard now, it gets harder. Come on, we've all played video games growing up. It gets harder. The bosses get crazier and meaner and they come with all kinds of guns and they fly around and stuff. The further you go, the deeper you go. What are we saying uh, in church? New levels, new devils, right? <laughs> I'm trying to give you a reason to smile because right now y'all are just getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> Laugh a little bit. I am happy. Then inform your face, please. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of y'all will be happy in about eight minutes when I shut this thing down, right? Okay. No, the testing of your faith stir, stirs up in you the power of endurance. John chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. Worship team, y'all go ahead and make your way this way. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have. Those words are in there, guys. This is Jesus speaking. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have resistance. You will have opposition. You will have things not always go your way. You, you will have people come against you. You will face You will have. But what does he say right behind that? Be of good what? Be of good what? Be of good what? What do you think cheer is? It's joy. Joy. A posture of the heart. Not a condition of my face. Not a condition of my composure, my demeanor. No, joy is a posture of my heart. In the midst of the trial, be of good cheer. He says, what? Zoom out. He says, what? See the big picture. He says, what? Get a different perspective. I have overcome the world. I've overcome. He says, I've overcome. This is how the new living reads it. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. How come we easily believe Jesus when he says you will have tribulation, but the very next statement we have difficulty believing him, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Come on, guys, we don't get to pick and choose what we believe Jesus said and what we don't believe. We don't pick and choose this. He said, you'll have trial and tribulation. You got that right but I've overcome the world. You got that right too. But look what it says. 
in the new living. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but here it is, take heart. That's the same thing we read in Galatians chapter six. Do not grow weary. The joy of the Lord is my what? The joy of the Lord is my, I didn't even have to put that verse on the screen and you know that one. But knowing it and applying it are two different things, aren't they? It is. But take heart, he says. Last verse, Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. All my life you've been faithful. I love these songs that just cause us to remind us, reflect on the goodness of God. Don't you? Come on, there. you, you have no, no lack of trial and turmoil, things to reflect on to see how dark things are. And the world throws it in your face. You know, this is the stuff we have to work to find. You gotta dig a little bit, but it's worth it. I gotta dig to find the good in this situation. I gotta dig to find the value in this. I gotta dig to find what this can produce in my life. But you know what? It's worth the digging. It's worth going after it. God, how are you? And I'm not getting up off this floor until you show me how you're using this for your glory. I refuse to think it's over. I refuse to think I'm defeated. I refuse to think there's no way out. I refuse to think it's never gonna get any. I refuse those thoughts in the name of Jesus. Show me how you're working. Show me how you're moving. Show me how you're demonstrating your goodness. Look at this in Romans chapter five, verse three. We rejoice too when we run into. (laughs) I'm telling you guys, if you're waiting to feel joy, if you're waiting for a joyful, you'll be waiting all your life. No, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop what? The next trial you face, even better, the trial you're in right now. Just say, thank you, God, you're helping me develop endurance. Thank you, God, you're helping me develop endurance. Thank you, God, I can run longer. I can go farther. I can go deeper because of this that I'm in right now. Thank you, I'm developing endurance. Come on, just say that with me right now. Thank you, Father, I'm developing endurance. Thank you, Father, I'm developing endurance. Thank you, Father, I'm developing. If nothing else, you're developing longevity, a stick to a faithfulness, a commitment, a patience, a long-suffering. If nothing else, you will find me faithful to the end. When we run into problems and trials, we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Don't look at that word salvation in the churchy way, in a religious way as a prayer you pray to get out of hell and go to heaven when you die. Salvation is sozo. It's the God kind of life. It's the kind of life that he's trying to demonstrate in and through. And I need salvation every day. Not just the prayer that I pray. 
That's not a churchy word. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. We know, we know how dearly God loves us. Watch this, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our what? Our what? Is it up there? Nope, not yet. I need verse five. There's verse five. He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill what? Our hearts. Why? Because I need to take heart. My posture, my heart posture is what determines if I make it through, get through. And God's saying, I'm going to address the situation at the root. I'm not just going to change your condition. Because if I change your condition without the heart, you won't have the heart to get through the next trial. No, I'm going to work on where you need work the most, your heart. And I've given you the Holy Spirit to pour out his love in your heart. So next time you can respond according to my word, according to my kingdom. The passion translation reads this way, verse three, but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Patient endurance will refine our character. Come on guys, some of us need our character worked on. Huh? Just look straight ahead. That's not one of those. That's not one of those moments. Just defining. That's not the time to be. I told you. That's not one of those. That's for so-and-so verses. No, that's a verse for you. If this is one of those moments, like I feel like you're preaching right at me. I am. We all need our character work on. We all need character development. Come on. Yes, we do. And character strengthens our confident hope. Or no, uh, the passion. Proven character leads us back to hope. This hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. One more, the Amplified. Moreover, Y'all are like, you said one more verse. I got it in three versions. So I should have said, I've got three more. Now y'all are really mad at me. Moreover, let us be full of joy. Full of joy, overflowing. Man, somebody else ought to catch your joy. Your joy ought to be infectious. It ought to be contagious. Come on. Not just enough to get you by. Get enough joy to pass on to somebody else that's struggling in life. Give joy to somebody that has nothing to be joyful about. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. Character of this sort produces the habit 
of joyful and confident hope. How many of you want to develop the habit of joy? Come on, the ha- it's just, it's a habit. I, I can't even shake it. I don't even know why I'm just joyful. I don't even know why I'm just hopeful. I don't even know why I just see a better perspective. I don't know why I see a way out before I even got in this thing. I don't even know why, but I have a confident expectation. I'm coming through on the other side. It's a habit you can develop. Amen. I'm making, I'm preaching myself happy with this one. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.